Hi, everybody. Cheryl Ackeson here. Welcome to another edition of the Cheryl Ackeson podcast on justthenews.com. I hope you'll check out all the Just the News podcasts. You can go to justthenews.com and see the list of them on the homepage. Today, I speak with Congressman Ken Buck about all the complaining Congress does about big tech. They speak loudly, but carry a soft stick. In today's increasingly managed information landscape, independent journalism has never been more important. Support factual reporting without the censorship by visiting CherylAckeson.com and click the Store tab. Proceeds from sales go to causes related to independent reporting, including the new ION Awards I'm sponsoring to encourage accurate, off-narrative original reporting. Also, check out my bestsellers on this topic, Stonewalled, Slanted, and The Smear. And thanks for being part of the solution. Today, an interview with Ken Buck, a Republican of Colorado, member of Congress. I first interviewed him about the swamp in Washington, D.C., and how he was shocked to arrive in the Capitol once he was elected and be told that there's an extra constitutional system set up by Democrats and Republicans, party leaders requiring members of Congress raise a quota for the party, raise a certain amount of money if they want support from the party getting reelected, if they want to sit on any important committees in Congress, which, by the way, is the main way they can raise big money in this circular loop system that's been set up. They have to sit on an important committee and then they raise money from the very companies and entities they're supposed to oversee. How do you think that works out? Well, they end up often doing the bidding of these companies and interests that donate to them so that they are not regulated in a certain way. And lobbyists for those interests are given meetings with the members of Congress, whereas you or I cannot necessarily walk in and meet with our member of Congress just upon request. They have appointments and they're being seen nonstop by members of Congress and their lobbyists and those who work for the companies are often writing the legislation that's passed, these bills that are passed by Congress. The members don't write those bills. I think maybe at a time in the past they used to, they and their staff. But from what both sides say now, that's largely a process done by lobbyists. And the excuse they give is, well, the lobbyists are the subject matter experts. They know the most about these topics. But of course, the lobbyists or their surrogates are writing these laws to the benefit of those they represent. And sometimes, as in a story that I published on CBS News when I was working as an investigative correspondent there, lobbyists themselves told me they insert a comma or a period or a certain phrase in a proposed bill that nobody but they and their interests know what that comma or period or inserted phrase does or means. It'll be meaningless to us, maybe to the members of Congress, but it actually does something very specific and very important on behalf of the vested interest. Anyway, I digress, as I often do when it comes to this topic, because I think a lot of people just don't know how this system in Washington, D.C. works on Capitol Hill with the members of Congress talking about both parties. But anyway, Ken Buck of Colorado came on my radar screen a couple of years ago because he wrote a book called Drain the Swamp, 
how Washington corruption is worse than you think. It's worth picking up. This is an insider's account, someone who's still there today talking about the system. I'll read a little bit about the description from his book in case you're interested. It says, lavish parties, committee chairmanships for sale, pay to play corruption, backroom arm twisting, votes on major legislation going to the highest bidder, welcome to Washington, D.C., the swamp that President Donald Trump was elected to drain. Congressman Ken Buck, says the description for the book, is blowing the whistle on the real-life house of cards in our nation's capital, elected in 2014 as president of one of the largest Republican freshman classes ever to enter Congress. Buck immediately realized why nothing gets done in Congress, and it isn't because of political gridlock. In fact, Republicans and Democrats work together all too well to fleece taxpayers and plunge America deeper into debt. Quote from Buck, it is an insular process directed by power-hungry party elites who live like kings and govern like bullies. Buck has witnessed firsthand how the unwritten rules of Congress continually prioritize short-term political gains over lasting principled leadership. When Buck tangled with Washington power brokers like former Speaker John Boehner, he faced petty retaliation. When he insisted Republicans keep their word to voters, he was berated on the House floor by his own party leaders. When other members of Congress dared to do what they believed to be right for America, instead of what the party bosses commanded, Buck saw them stripped of committee positions and even denied dining room privileges by the petty beltway bullies. In Drain the Swamp, the name of his book, Buck names names and tells incredible true stories about what really happened behind closed doors in Congress during legislative battles that have ensued over the last two years, again, this was in 2017, including budget, continuing resolutions, omnibus, trade promotion authority, Iran, and more. If the Trump administration is going to bring real change to Washington, it first needs to get the whole story from deep inside the swamp. Of course, that description intrigued me, and I did a Really fascinating interview with him for my TV show, Full Measure. So this time, I'm back talking with Congressman Buck. Years later, he's operating within the system, and we're talking about big tech. I wanted to know why Congress keeps holding hearings on big tech, one after the other, calling in the executives and saying tough things to them. But then I don't really see them doing anything. And you know, big tech gives so much money to members of Congress. In fact, Alphabet, the parent company of Google, was a top or the top funder of the Bernie Sanders campaign back when he ran against Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. They've also been a top funder to other Democrats, but not Donald Trump. These companies normally give big and have connections with both parties, but Trump was an exception because I think he operated outside this power structure and they didn't really know how to get to him or make it where he was beholden to them and to their interests. So it's relevant to ask in this atmosphere, is anyone really watching over abuses by big tech? Or are they just pretending? Is each side just trying to figure out the best way to use big tech as their own tool? Here's Ken Buck. Just in an overview sense, what are some of the concerns that you have as we look at events the past couple of years? Yeah, we have serious problems as a Congress for not having updated 
the antitrust laws in the last 60, 70 years. We have a new technology, a new economy uh, based on high tech, and a lot of the laws have been interpreted by the courts in a way that has allowed high tech to run away. And we need to rein in high tech. We need to make sure that we are encouraging competition in the marketplace, and that's not happening right now. What are some of the things that the big companies have done that you call into question? So they have crushed competition. I can give you uh, dozens of examples. The majority report in my report last fall talked about what they've done, but they literally have stolen information from competitors and then use their platform. And that's where, where the real monopoly is, is when you go to Amazon, when you go use Apple, when you are using Facebook or Twitter, those platforms are near monopolies. And so what they've done is they have then rejected or discriminated against the competitor's product and place their product above that in the searches. And so they have put competitors out of business or forced them to merge or be acquired by these giant companies. Facebook's Oversight Commission, which I've reported on, is quite conflicted in terms of who these people are connected to. But they recently upheld the decision to ban former President Donald Trump and to, to keep him banned off of the platform. What's your view about that? Well, I think it's clear that because they're a monopoly, they can censor and they are biased and they are left-leaning and they have censored other right-leaning groups. The New York Post article on Hunter Biden during the election is a perfect example of how they've taken sides in, in political activity over the last few years. And the banning President Trump from indefinitely banning President Trump from Facebook and Twitter are just further acts that show their bias. They have allowed terrorists from the Middle East to maintain their position on those platforms, and yet they say that the former president of the United States is the one uh, who is dangerous. It, it, it makes no sense. A lot of people are saying that these private companies have the right to do exactly what they want as private companies, and that Republicans in particular ought to support that stance. Private companies do have the right to do what they uh, want to do, and, and we should have five Facebooks, and we should have eight Twitters, and we should have 12 Googles, so that uh, these private companies can do exactly what they want. But when they act as a monopoly, they're acting in a different way than a typical private company in, in the marketplace. We can get our news from uh, hundreds of newspapers in this country, and we can choose to go to a more conservative or a more liberal newspaper. We can get our news from uh, a dozen different candidates. Uh, cable news organizations, and we can choose to go to a more conservative or more liberal. We can't make that choice with Facebook or Twitter uh, or uh, Amazon, Apple, uh, and, and the result is, uh, and especially Google, uh, the result is that we get one-sided information, and that's where the marketplace has really failed. I think prior to 2016, not many people would have imagined that tech companies that have no particular expertise on information of any kind would somehow insert themselves as experts on all information across the world and determine what we're allowed to see and what they think is true. Do you think they're the ones pulling the strings inside the big tech companies, or have they been influenced by outside forces who lobby them to make these decisions and censor some information but not others? Well, I think both. I think that many of the people in California who make these decisions are left-leaning. I think that many of the organizations who uh, lobby these companies are left-leaning. And I think the courts who have interpreted Section 230, which uh, gives these tech companies some immunity, have been left-leaning in some of those interpretations. And, and it's all something that uh, discriminates against those on the right.
What does a regulation, sort of a demonopolization of that industry look like? Obviously, someone else will have to work out details if that were to happen. But in broad terms, what do you see? Well, I see a few things happening. The first thing is I think that the mergers that have occurred, 750 mergers occurred in 10 years, uh, mostly during the Obama administration that, that were never scrutinized. I think those mergers can be undone. I think that the Instagram merger with Facebook, uh, WhatsApp with Facebook, YouTube with uh, Google, I think all those mergers can be undone. And, and there are court proceedings now to look into that. I also think that when mergers are prohibited, or at least the burden shifts from the government to the company, to the monopoly, to prove that the merger is pro-competitive as opposed to the government having to prove that it's anti-competitive, I think at that point you slow down the unfair growth of these companies and you allow the smaller competitors to grow and, and compete and gain market share. And, and I'm not suggesting that, other than the merger situation, that Facebook or uh, Google can be broken up, but I am suggesting that their, their rapid growth can be slowed and allow competition in the marketplace. Tell me if I'm wrong, but there have been, I think, dozens of hearings with some of these big tech chiefs. Congress keeps dragging them back in and asking them tough questions, and then nothing seems to happen. And I'm not sure what would come of that, but it's almost as if they're putting on a show without any impact. Well, number one, these companies uh, have uh, decided uh, in, in a very rational decision to uh, co-opt both the conservative movement and the liberal movement. They have spent a lot of money in Washington, D.C. and around the country to donate to foundations that would uh, in some ways be the gatekeepers of information or conduct private oversight. And so they have influenced much of what we would think of as oversight. They've also uh, spent a lot of money on politicians um, in this town. And it's one of the reasons why I have a pledge to not take money from the five monopoly platforms signed by uh, 10, 12 of my colleagues, but not signed by 400 or so other colleagues. Um, and so I think it's really important that we walk away from that kind of money uh, in this town. But they, they uh, have been very influential um, and they have been very strategic uh, in how they've gone about it. They, we do have some bills now that are in the process. Senator Klobuchar has a bill in the Senate. We will be introducing bills in uh, the June timeframe that will certainly rein in this group of monopolists. Now, it takes a period of time to get through uh, Congress signed by the president, and it takes a period of time for the Federal Trade Commission and the Antitrust Division to do their job and bring cases in court. It seems like both political parties want somewhat different things out of big tech if it comes to changes. For example, Republicans may want less restriction of information. Some Democrats have expressed that they want more control of information that they deem to be harmful or bad. Do you think there's a way that the two sides come together so that any single law gets passed? I do think that there are, it's incredible to me that this has been as bipartisan as it has. And, and I think it's a great observation. It's been bipartisan for much different reasons, but it's still been bipartisan. Democrats have a big as, as bad attitude that any company that gets to a certain size should be punished in some way. Republicans have concerns with privacy laws. They have concerns with competition in the marketplace. The old Chicago school the Milton Freeman theories of antitrust come into play with, with a lot of the Republican thinking. But uh, these two sides have come together in, on Capitol Hill and are moving a lot of legislation forward. A sub-issue of all of this has to do with what's known as the cloud, which I envision is just a place off-site where information is stored. 
and many companies and even the government, they're moving to this model because then they don't have to maintain expensive servers on location. What are some of the potential perils that come with government relying on private companies' maintained cloud to store their data? Well, it's a new technology, and with new technology come abuses. And, and there are going to be some in the government who want to abuse private citizens' privacy rights. There are, there are going to be some in business who want to use that for advertising purposes and other purposes without the consent, at least knowing consent, of consumers. And so I think that this new technology, um, we really need to debate exactly where the line should be drawn on what the government has access to and what private businesses can use. Is it a bit of a conflict that the federal government, for example, the Pentagon, is negotiating multi-billion dollar contracts, in some cases, I guess, to have information stored on the cloud by private companies? At the same time, it may be regulating these companies or the companies would want to avoid regulation. Well, there are a lot of conflicts. Um, certainly the people who jump in and out of government uh, from private industry have conflicts in, in how they behave. But I think that when you're talking about different branches of government, the legislative branch, Congress, should be imposing rules on the executive branch to protect private citizens. If they don't, uh, the executive branch's job is to investigate crimes, investigate terrorist acts, investigate other things. They want to accumulate as much information as they can. Our job is to make sure that they don't infringe on fundamental rights when they're gathering that information. As a non-technical person, this may not really make sense, but it seems to me one of the few things the government ought to do in a major way would be to develop its own cloud to have its own storage system so it didn't have to put sensitive, important information on places maintained by these private companies. What do you think about that? I am a firm believer, as a, as a fellow non-technical person, I am a firm believer that the government does very little better than the private sector. And so if we can contract with the private sector in a secure way and make sure that our adversaries overseas don't have access to that information, um, but also our adversaries here at home who would abuse that information don't have access to it, um, I think the private sector uh, works much better with a contract than having government try to maintain that kind of system. Can you explain in very simple terms what the controversy over the JEDI contract is about for people that don't know anything about the cloud and what's been going on? Sure. So the Pentagon in 2017 started a discussion soon after President Trump took office and Secretary Mattis was in office, uh, started a discussion about uh, a cloud system for the Pentagon, for the Department of Defense. And the most aggressive company in that process was Amazon. And Amazon actually had a lady named Sally Donnelly who was working for Secretary Mattis in his personal office and had a lot of access to him. And she was clearly conflicted and had signed documents, uh, or at least my understanding of the federal government is that she was required to sign documents. I haven't seen those, but she was required to sign documents that she recognized conflicts of interest and she would not engage in conflicts of interest. And then she directed the contract, or she allegedly directed the contract to Amazon. What was her conflict? She was tied to Amazon? Well, and, and there's allegations that she was receiving money from Amazon. So she had been a contractor for Amazon before she came to the Pentagon. There are allegations that she received money from Amazon 
while she was at the Pentagon and influenced this contract towards Amazon. The inspector general evidently did his very best to ignore that situation and didn't do his job of, of oversight. And the result was that, that this was all moving in a way to award Amazon this cloud contract. How uh, much is that contract worth? Billions. Um, Secretary Mattis was meeting with Amazon officials in a way that really raises some uh, questions about the integrity of those meetings. And the competitors uh, in this situation, Microsoft, Oracle, others, were being discriminated against. Ultimately, the contract was not awarded to Amazon, but just those acts of trying to influence the contract in those ways are illegal and, and should be investigated, and hopefully criminal charges should be brought. It seems like there are so many ways in which the tentacles of private industry and big tech companies intertwine with the federal government and also the symbiotic relationship where the government relies on their services. It's very complicated. And especially in the case of a monopoly where you really don't have competitors who can compete in the marketplace with these companies. And they, as a result, get away with a lot when they deal with smaller competitors and, and also when they deal with the government contracts. After a short break, we'll finish up with Congressman Buck by asking him what he thinks about the Washington, D.C. swamp now that he's been knee-deep in it for several years, serving since 2015, coming up upon the end of his seventh year. Tasks, deadlines, and projects. What if your teams had a tool that brought everything together? Trello is the project management tool that powers collaboration for over 2 million teams across the globe, including 80% of Fortune 500s. Trello brings teams together by tracking daily to-dos and provides a high-level view across projects and teams. From product development and design to support and production, Trello helps all teams move their work forward together. Thousands of IT admins around the world trust Trello to keep their work safe. With Trello, your teams will have access to hundreds of top-tier integrations they can rely a big reason why Trello is top-rated for employee satisfaction. It's where companies do their best work. Trello for enterprise. Learn more by visiting trello.com slash for enterprise. That's T-R-E-L-L-O dot com slash for enterprise. What's the status of the swamp and your place in it after some years now? Yeah, I think this place is swampier, and it is harder for some of us to stand up against the swamp and be heard, but it is still uh, very swampy. It is still a place where money rules, and it is a place where those who want things done in secret can hide things in, in major bills and get things done that the American people don't realize. And, and the other real problem with the swamp is we are spending so much money now. President Obama was spending too much money. President Trump was spending too much money. President Biden is spending money on steroids at, at this point, And we are spending so much money. We know what the result is going to be. We know that this is going to come crashing down at some point. Um, everybody hopes that the music continues in this game of musical chairs until after they leave office. And, and that, to me, is the real immoral and swampiest of, of all the problems that we have. You had told me that in order to maintain or attain a certain position on committees and to have bills considered, you have to play ball, you know, along with other members of the party. How are you balancing that? Are you raising the money that's required to be raised by your party leaders? Are you able to sit on important committees and so on? 
Sure. Well, I'm the uh, ranking Republican on the Antitrust Committee. I do pay my dues to the National Republican Congressional Committee, just like the Democrats pay their dues if they want to be in positions. I have offered letters, I have delivered letters to the Ethics Committee asking the Ethics Committee to find it unethical to link a position on a committee or leadership with fundraising for the relevant political organization. It has not been done. Congressman Ken Buck, a Republican of Colorado. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Check out justthenews.com and don't forget to subscribe to the Cheryl Ackeson podcast and my other podcast, Full Measure After Hours, and all the Just the News podcasts wherever you like to listen. If you love what we talk about, I hope you'll leave a great review and share it with your friends. Do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself. All right, folks, all of you know the story about my crick in my neck and how I bought a MyPillow a few years ago, and all of a sudden, my neck just healed up. In fact, the orthopedist couldn't figure out what the heck had John done. I, it was simple. I just bought one of Mike Lindell's pillows, and I all of a sudden found I wasn't sleeping right on my pillow. Mike's pillows did the trick. Well, guess what? He's done it again. He's got something new. He's now introducing his new My Slippers. You want the best Slipper ever, the best foot experience late at night. Well, Mike has got, he took over two years to develop this. He designed it to wear this slipper indoor and outdoor all day long. It's comfortable, it's durable. It's made with my pillow foam and impact gel to help prevent fatigue in the slipper. And it's made with quality leather suede. They look good, they feel good, they wear good. For a limited time now, Mike is offering 50% off his new My Slippers. You will also receive a free book with any purchase. The My Slippers are so comfortable that you'll want to get some for the whole family. It's a great gift, especially heading into Springtown. So here, here's what you do. You go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener square and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. That's easy to remember, right? The promo code JUSTNEWS and you will get deep discounts on all the MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets the MyPillow mattress topper, and of course, the MyPillow towel set. And don't forget, y'all want those My Slippers. You gotta have them. They're incredible. Here's another way you can take advantage of this. You can call 800-951-3715 and use the promo code JUSTNEWS when someone picks up. Call 800-951-3715. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. Pretty simple stuff for the best slipper sheet pillow experience of your life.